Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGann. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Today we're wrapping up this series called Stretch Thin. Um, you know, a uh, number of years ago, before Amy and I had kids, a number of years ago, I was talking to a really good friend of mine. His name is Kenny English. Uh, he owns CC's Pizza, so uh, if you need to go a, a place to eat, and please go there, support a great Christian businessman. Uh, he runs his business like a great Christian should. Uh, anyway, owns CC's, goes to church here at the park. He and I were talking. And I was telling him, like, how stretched thin I was in my life. And he, he just looked at me right in the eyeball. Now, Kenny's a couple of phases ahead of me in life. And he looked at me right in the eyeball and he said, Mike, your schedule is the easiest it's ever going to be right now. And I just looked at him, I was like, and in my mind, I'm thinking, how is that possible? Like literally, every waking moment of my life is scheduled out. Scheduled out. How could I get any busier? Well, then we had a baby. So, right? Now, after our first child, Libby, was born, I was also talking to another friend of mine. His name is Matt, who doesn't go to church here, but also eats at CeCe's. Um, so, I was talking to him, and he gave me the best piece of parenting advice I've ever received outside of the Bible. And he said this. He said, Mike... Don't always be looking to the next phase of life so that you miss the phase that you're in. Because each phase has some great things of its own. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And you know what? He was dead on right. And so I've learned a couple of things that I want to share with you today. These are not in your bulletin, so if you just want to write these down, you can. And here's what I've learned. Um, the first is this, is that every phase in life is busy. Every phase is busy. The second thing I learned is this, is that every phase has something unique to offer. And the danger for us is that we're always looking to the next phase as the solution for being stretched thin in our current phase. That we think, oh, if I just can just get to the next phase, somehow things are going to change and I won't be so stretched thin. I'm telling you, it won't happen. Every phase in life is busy. I was busy when I was single. I was busy when I first got married. I was busy when we had our first kid. I was busy when we started the park from scratch. From scratch. I was busy when we had our second child. I'm telling you, every phase of life is busy. And if we keep looking forward to the next phase as the answer for being stretched thin in our current phase, then we'll miss the things that the current phase has to offer. And I'm telling you, don't miss it because it's just a phase. Look what God tells us. In Ephesians Chapter 5, verse 15, God says this. He says, act like people with good sense and not like fools. These are evil times. So, make every minute count. See, when we get stretched thin and we start looking to the future as a fix, we'll say things like, oh, you know, it'll pass. It's just a phase. 
But God says to you, he says, no, no, no. It's just a phase and it will pass. So don't miss it. And so for us, I want, today, I want us to look at these phases of life and what God says. So let's ask this question. What does God tell me to do in each phase of life? Well, the first phase, the first phase are the single years. These are the single years. Now, this includes people who are young and have never been married, as well as it includes people who are older and maybe have, for whatever reason, find yourself single again. Whether you have kids or not have kids, doesn't make any difference. But these are the single years. Now, the danger of being single is that people in the single years are so consumed with finding the love of their life and moving on to the next phase that they miss the current phase. They, they spend so much time and energy and emotional effort trying to get to the next phase that they miss out on the greatest part of this phase. Look at what God says to people who are single. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God says this. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or who has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. See, the best part about being single is that you've got, you have the ability to be committed to the Lord, to follow him in a way that you just simply cannot do once you're married and have kids. And yeah, I know that there are some single folks who have kids, and so you have to think about that. Like, I get that. But really, that's the point that God's making in these verses. He's saying that when you have a spouse or when you have kids, you've got to consider them when you're making decisions, okay? And when you're single, look, especially if you don't have kids, you are in the unique position where you have the ability to do whatever God wants you to do, wherever God wants you to do it. You have that ability, okay? Like, you don't have to think about what your spouse wants or we know what's best for the kids, okay? You are in the unique position where the only person on earth that you're responsible for is you. Is you. And so for you that are single, here is the challenge from God. The challenge from God is this, is that I should dare to do something for God that others dare not do. Dare to do something for God that other people dare not do. This is the only time in your life when you can, without, without thinking of anybody else, where you could go to the mission field. This is the time in your life when you can work for cheap for a nonprofit and change people's lives. You can take all of your vacation and go to a third world country and really do something amazing and help people there. You can volunteer at an elementary school. You can volunteer in the inner city. You can volunteer to mentor a little boy who doesn't have a dad in his life. You can volunteer to mentor a little girl who doesn't have a mom in her life. For whatever reason, you can do whatever it is that God wants you to do. So I'm telling you, when you're in this season, dare to do what others dare not do. Because I'm telling you, 
This life as a single person, it's just a phase. So don't miss it. And don't always be looking to the next phase that you miss what this phase has to offer. Look, I'm not saying that it's not okay to look forward to the day when you get married. That's perfectly fine. But not at the expense of missing the freedom of this phase. Right? Okay. The next phase, the next phase is the married, no kids years. These are the married, no kids years. And these years are great because, look, first off, you don't have any money, okay? You have no money at this phase. But truth is, it doesn't matter because in this phase, you're just living on love, baby, right? I mean, that's what this phase is all about, right? So look what God says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He says this. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, in Ephesians 5, 25, he says, Husbands should love their wives just as Christ loved the church and sacrificed himself for her. Now, he's not specifically talking to newlywed husbands. But look, newlywed husbands, you definitely need to learn how to love your spouse. You definitely have to learn how to love your wife at this phase. And you do it the way that Jesus did. And what, how did Jesus love the church? And remember, the church is not the building, it's the people. Jesus sacrificed himself for his people. And so in this phase, here's the challenge from God. This phase is to learn to love sacrificially. You gotta learn how to love sacrificially. Because look, remember, at this point in your life, it's been all about you. Up until this day, it's been all about you. I mean, you could go where you want, you could do what you want, you could spend what you want, you could watch what you want, you could hang out with what you want, you could do whatever it is that you wanted because it was all about you. But now, it's not that way. It's not about you anymore. It's about the other person. And your model is Jesus. Because ultimately, that's what he did for you. He sacrificed himself for you. He died for you. Okay, listen to that. He died for you. He died for you. That's how much he loves you. He loved you sacrificially. And so the reason that he died on a cross was so that his death could purchase your forgiveness so that you could go to heaven when you die. So let me ask you, has there ever come a time in your life when you've accepted Jesus' forgiveness? Where you've asked him to come into your life and accepted his forgiveness? If you've never done that, maybe that's something you've been thinking about for weeks during this series, but if you've never done that today, make sure that today you accept that forgiveness. There's a prayer, it's at the bottom of your message notes. Take a few minutes, pray that prayer right now. Pray when we get to the end, but pray it today and accept his forgiveness, okay? Now, but for everybody who's in this phase, here's the deal. You gotta learn to love sacrificially. And here's the thing, it'll make you a better dad someday. It'll make you a better mom someday. It'll make you a better mom or dad because it helps you understand and and provides a role model for your kids about the kind of mom or dad they want to be. 
because they're going to want, they will imitate you. So if you learn how to love sacrificially, it provides that role model for your kids. And it provides your kids a role model of the kind of person they want to get married to someday. So in this phase, you have to learn how to love sacrificially. Because remember, it's just a phase. Don't miss it. Okay, moving on. Um, well, actually, I, let me say this. Before we move on to the, to the third phase, let me just pause for a second and say something to those of you that are, have gone through a really hard phase in life or maybe are going through a really hard, hard phase in life that maybe doesn't fit neatly into these categories that we're talking about, okay? Uh, maybe for you, you've gone through a phase where you've experienced a divorce or, you know, maybe you've had a child born with a disability or maybe you've had a child die or maybe you've struggled with infertility, or maybe you're dealing with a long-term illness. If you're going through one of those really hard phases, you know, what does God say to you? I'll tell you what God says to you. God says to you, I still love you. I've not abandoned you. I've not turned my back on you. I still have a great plan for your life. So you know what? Trust in me. God says, trust in me. Just like in all phases of life, trust in me because I alone have the power to make something good come out of something that feels so bad. Look what the Bible says. Look what God says to you specifically in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. See, God didn't cause your bad phase to happen. He didn't cause it to happen. But even when something bad does happen, God alone has the power to take your phase of life and make something good come from it. You might not even see it while you're in that phase, but later on, I can promise you will. So, trust in him. Trust in him. Okay, let's continue to move on. Uh, Phase number three. Phase number three, these are the discipline years. These are when you have kids ages zero, I mean, two to six years old. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, hold on, Pastor Mike. Like, what happened to like the zero to two years? Like, what happened to that two years? Well, look, I'll just say this. You're so sleep deprived during those years anyway. It doesn't even matter what I tell you. You won't remember it, okay? And, and, and the truth is, is that you really can't do much in the way of discipline until they're at least two years old anyway. Nothing really like super productive. Um, but these are the discipline years, okay? Look, here's, look what God says in Proverbs chapter 22. 22, 15, he says this. says, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Now look, you can say whatever you want to about spanking and you know I know people have got differing views on you can do whatever you want to about spanking but here's one thing that you can say about spanking with 100% absolute certainty it is a biblical form of discipline it's biblical I mean you can say that with 100% certainty look and I'm not talking about beating a child I'm not talking about striking a child when you're angry that's not what God's talking about here but here's the truth okay God did create children with a padded region, okay, that ha- it's wired in such a way that it gets their attention, all right? 
Now look, when, when they're really young, you know, probably like a slap on, a, a, a light, you know, spanking on the wrist is probably a better idea. But as they get older, a real spanking can produce real results. I mean, it, it just can. Look, and here's the thing. Look, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies that show that physical discipline done in a loving, right way is really healthy for kids. Because look, it, it shows them where the boundaries are. It keeps them safe. And most importantly, it teaches kids that they are a part of something greater than themselves and they have to yield to it. Right? Because um, God's clear here, okay? There is foolishness in the heart of a child. And so here's the challenge for this phase. The f- challenge for this phase is this, is to drive the foolishness of, I can do whatever I want, and there are no consequences from the heart of my child. You've got to drive that foolishness from the heart of your child. Because I'm telling you, if you as a parent don't do that at this stage, it will show up at later stages in life. Look, and I think we're seeing an epidemic right now of kids who think, like, there, there shouldn't be any consequences to what I do. There's a whole sea of kids out there that think, there shouldn't be any consequences to what I do. I can do whatever I want. And it doesn't matter because my parents will come up to the school and they're going to fix it. My parents are going to come up and they're going to bail me out. So it doesn't matter what I do. Oh, but it does. Because I'm telling you, all of that kind of thought is addressed at this stage. And I'm telling you, if you miss it at this stage, it will show up in stages later on. Okay, now, let me get just, just a word to you parents that are in this two to six, really zero to six years old. Let me just say a word of encouragement to you, Okay. The days are long, but the years are short. Okay, let me say it again. The days are long, but the years are short. And I know, I know, it feels like you're going to be wiping hands and heinies forever. Like, I, I promise you, I understand that. I understand it. But the day's going to come where you're not going to get to do that anymore. And so cherish the stage that you're in. Don't be looking forward to the next stage all the time. Because I'm telling you, I understand. The days are long, but the years are short. It's just a phase. So don't miss it. Okay, the next one. The next are the training years. These are the training years. This is ages 7 to 12. And at some point during this phase, you're going to stop spanking. And for every kid, it's a little bit different. But at some stage, you're going to move from spanking to training. You're going to move from discipline to training. Look what God says in Proverbs 22.6. He says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Okay? See, now during this phase, you're going to do lots and lots and lots of hands-on training. Lots of it, okay? You're going to teach them how to tie their shoes, how to mow the yard, how to swing a hammer, okay? How to catch a ball, how to throw a ball, how to play an instrument, how to do a ponytail, how to bathe the dog, how to bathe themselves, okay? How to study for a test, how to serve at church, how to read the Bible, how to pray. At this phase, you're going to do lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of hands-on training. 
But of all the things that you're going to train your child to do during this phase, this one is the most important. And here's the challenge from God, that I need to train my children to love God and that he has a plan for their lives. You have to train them to understand this. Because get, understand this. Where else are your child, is your child going to get this? Where else are they going to get it? And you might think, oh, well, they're going to get it at church. Yes, they're going to get it at church. But the truth is, they're only at church a couple of hours a week. If church is the only place that they get it, that is not enough to combat all that they're going to hear at school, all that they're going to see on TV, all that they're going to watch in movies, all that they're going to hear on Snapchat and on Instagram or whatever social media platform they're using at the time. It doesn't matter. They need to hear it from you. Because these are the training years. And this is what you need to train them to. That's God's challenge to you. Because look, it's just a phase. Don't miss it. Okay, the next phase, the next phase is the coaching years. These are ages 12 through 18. Yeah, these are the teenage years. And I know teenage years can be really, really exhausting. But I'm telling you what, they can also be incredibly rewarding as well. Look what the Bible says. This, I think this is like the best verse in the whole Bible for teenagers. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Is that not what the teenage years are all about? right? It's all about learning self-control. I mean, I'm telling you, if teenagers could learn to have self-control, how much better would their lives be during this stage? How much pain would it save teenagers? I mean, seriously, if they learned self-control, how much trouble could it save them? If they could learn self-control over their anger, over their jealousy, over their social media posts, over their hormones, over their joking, over their sarcasm, if they can learn to maintain self-control, how much easier would it make these really rough years? Okay, look, that's why you at this stage shift to coaching. Yes, you're still parenting, okay, understand that. But you're not rescuing, you're not hovering, okay? You're not doing it for them. You're coaching them and letting them do it for themselves. That means you've got to let them experience some decision-making on their own. And you've got to let them experience the consequences of those decisions. Because look, if you fix everything for them, you're not helping them. You're just helping them not grow up. So, God's challenge for you in this phase is this. It's to build character through self-control. It's to build character and you build character um, by letting them experience some things for themselves. You let them experience the consequences of their own decisions because that's what builds character. And so, because look, they need to begin to understand that their decisions determine their future. And that builds character. Now, to be a good coach, you gotta do five things. And these things are not in your worship guide, so you're just gonna have to just write these down on your own, okay? You gotta do five things. First thing you gotta do is you gotta ask questions. You gotta ask them questions about like, hey, so what do you think so-and-so is gonna think if you say that? Hey, what do you think is gonna happen if you do that? 
Hey, so what do you think other people are going to think about you if you respond that way? Ask lots and lots of questions to get them thinking about the consequences of their decisions, okay? Next thing you got to do is you need to give directions. You don't do it for them. You give them directions on what you want them to do, and you don't go back and clean it up for them. Give them directions on how to do that as well, okay? You give them directions. Third thing you got to do is you got to hand responsibility. And give them some genuine responsibilities. Give them some things that matter. And listen, if they mess it up, don't go back behind them and fix it. Give them the responsibility of going behind and fixing it themselves. That teaches them to do it better the first time and builds character, which is what you're after anyway, right? Okay, Uh, next thing you need to do is help them enjoy rewards. Let them enjoy the rewards. And so look, what I'm saying is resist the temptation to just give kids money. Don't resist the temptation just to give them allowance. Make them earn it because that's what's going to be for the rest of their lives. And when they earn money, let them enjoy the rewards of it. Let them enjoy that. That's part of building character of learning responsibilities that I, earn, I get to enjoy the rewards of it, okay? Next is this, is that Help them learn from failure. They're going to fail. They're going to mess up. But it's your responsibility to help them learn from that failure. And it's better that they learn from failure under your roof where you can help them grow from it than it is to let them fail outside of your roof after they've gone because the consequences of those failures are much, much higher, aren't they? So, Let them learn from failure. But look, even this, the teenage years are just a phase. So don't miss them. Don't miss it, okay? Number six, these are the friend years. This is years 19 and beyond. And from what I understand, that this is some of the most rewarding time in life. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. It says, Fools think they're doing right, but the wise listen to advice. Look, at this stage, you're no longer parenting, okay? I mean, you're still their parents, but you're no longer parenting. That time's passed. You're done disciplining. You're done training. You're done coaching. Okay, you're no longer parenting. You've moved to the friend stage. And when your child is older and you move to this stage, your hope is, is that you're not just friendly, but that you're friends, The desire is, is that you want them to choose you to be one of their advisors in life. Now look, they might not, but the hope is, is that they will. Because you have something that nobody else on earth can offer them. That thing you have to offer is the voice of experience from someone who genuinely loves them. So you want them to choose you as an advisor. Now look, here's the, here's the warning, okay? Here's the warning. If you move to the friend stage too early, you run the risk that they will miss some of the key components of one of the earlier stages that they need so desperately. And if you do that, then you put arriving at this stage in jeopardy. 
And look, I know, it's all cool and hip to be the cool hip mom. And I know the guys want to be the cool dad. I get it. I get that it's cool and hip to be cool and hip. I understand. Okay, I get that. But if you do it too early, then you cheat your kids of some of the life lessons they need at the earlier stages. They might not get enough self-control. They might not build the character that they're gonna need. And so look, if you, if you get to this stage in life and your kids are still needing a lot from you and they're not doing well in life, you can't go to, the, you can't go to friend stage. You need to go back to coaching. Okay, look, not enabling, not rescuing, coaching. You have to go back and coach them about how to respond in life. Because look, ultimately, isn't this, isn't this the goal of all the other phases? I mean, isn't this what you're trying to get to anyway? Yeah. So don't try to get here too early. Do it the way God lays it out, okay? All right, number seven. The seventh phase is this. These are the grandparent years. These are the grandparent years. Yeah, now look, this includes the empty nester years. Um, and the truth is, the, like the pure empty nester years where there are no grandkids, those generally tend to be pretty short. Uh, because depending on how many kids you have, literally, you can go from like no grandkids to like nine in like two years. I mean, I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. I mean, so this includes all that. And um, so what does God have for you at this phase? Look what the Bible says. Proverbs 17, 6. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. Now, I mean, isn't that what grandparents love to read? Yeah. I, I mean, look, your grandkids are the crowning glory, the Bible says. So look, when, grandparents, when you found out you were going to be a grandparent, I mean, weren't you just so excited? Yeah, because the reason you were so excited is because the Bible says that that's your crowning glory in life. Like, that is an awesome thing. And yeah, I know they can be little stinkers. Like, I get that. Mine were, and sometimes are. Like, I get it. But your grandkids are your crowning glory. And so look, because that's the case, here's your challenge from God. Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to love irrationally as a grandparent. He wants you to love irrationally. I mean, by the way, isn't that what grandparents do best anyway, right? And look, here, grandparents, here's how you know you're doing it right. When your kids come to you and they say to you, how come you never let us do that when we were kids, okay? If they say that, you're nailing it. You're nailing it. That's right. So look, and look, let me just say this to some of you like super tight parents with your newborns, and I get it because I was this way too. Look, when, your grand, when the grandparents like bend the rules a little bit, okay, just chill out. Like just relax, okay? They're doing God's will, right? That's, I mean, that's, what, that's what's happening here, okay? So, so look. Grandparents, let me, let me just say this. Don't miss this, okay? Look, now that your kids have grown up and now that they've moved out, okay, you're now at the place where you can go back and do what you 
did at the beginning or what should have done at the beginning. You are now at the place in life, get this, where you can dare to do for God what others dare not do. But now you have more wisdom and you have more resources. So dare to do for God what others dare not do. Look, your goal is not to arrive safely at death. That's not the goal. Your goal is to live your life for God. Give him all that you have. Dare to do for him what others dare not do. And this is the perfect phase to do that. So don't miss it. All right, let me close with this. When my daughter, Libby, and she's sitting on the front row today. When my daughter, Libby, was a little girl, I was the one that did her hair. Like, I was the one that did the ponytails. That's right, that was my job. And I'm telling you, like, I got good at it, y'all. Like, I, like I, I mean, I could throw down a mean pony. I mean, I could do it. I mean, I, I mean, no bumps, no flyaways. I mean, it was high and tight. Like, it was, I mean, I was good at it, right? I mean, that was my job. I was the ponytail guy. But now that she's a teenager, like, I don't get to do that much anymore. In fact, about a month ago, I was in, I was, um, in Libby's room, and we were talking, and she grabbed, her, she grabbed her, her hairbrush, and she tossed it at me, and she goes, think you still got it? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, bring it. <laughs> and so, man, I'm telling you, I still got it. I mean, high and tight. I still had it. That was good. But one day, a guy's going to come along, and he's going to run his fingers through that hair. Now, I don't like that guy very much now that I'm thinking about it. Like I, I think I'm just going to cut his fingers off. That's what I'm, I'm like. He's going to be like, hey, it's me. That's right. So I, I, <laughs> But then another day is going to come when there's going to be a veil over that hair and she'll get married and that guy will take her on a honeymoon I mean I really don't like this guy at all like I'm just not in favor of this but then the day's going to come when a little hand is going to reach out it's going to grab that hair And then the day is going to come when that hair turns gray. And somehow, by the design of our Heavenly Father, who she is then, a big part of that is going to be determined by who I am now. And I can't fully explain and understand all of how that is. But I'm telling you, it's just a phase. And I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it either. So, bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for every phase in life. 
Thank you for all of these phases and how you have set them out and laid them out for us and how you give us great guidance and uh, challenges during each phase that you want us to adhere to. And so I pray for every person that's looking to the next phase as relief for being stretched then, God, that you would help each one of us. And I I confess to you on behalf of each one of us, God, that we are not going to be that kind of people. Lord, that we are going to be the kind of people that are going to live in the phase that we're in and embrace every bit of it and say, God, I want to milk this phase for everything that it is because it's just a phase. And we don't want to miss it. And so, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would give us that kind of wisdom, that kind of insight to enjoy it for all that it is and not take a minute of it for granted. So use us, Father, at every stage for everything that you have in store. We ask you to do it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.